Welcome. This is Grace Asagra, your host at Quantum Nurse Podcast, Out of the Rabbit Hole from Stress to Bliss. This podcast provides holistic methods to help dementia caregivers live a rewarding life. Today's episode, I am so happy to have with us a guest who's been a longtime friend of mine. And she and I have experiences that we'd like to share that might be helpful to others today. I wanted to remind the listeners and the viewers that I'm offering a coaching call. So if they're interested with that complimentary coaching call, they could sign up. I will put the information at the bottom of this episode. So welcome again. And we'd like to uh, inform again the viewers that we created this podcast for working men and women 50 to 55 years old with a responsibility of caring for loved ones suffering from seemingly hopeless dementia. And, and of course, we welcome all those who are here with or without the responsibility of caring for dementia. Leslie, thank you very much and welcome. Thank you. Let me introduce to you a little bit about Leslie and if there's anything more, then she could just share with you, okay? So Leslie Cruton is a learning disability consultant and cognitive rehab therapist at the Neurocognitive Institute. Her areas of expertise include testing and treatment of learning disabilities, such as dyslexia, dyscalculia, and written expression disorders. She has 25 years of experience in the assessment and treatment of a variety of learning disabilities in pediatric and adolescent patients. Leslie earned her master's degree in education curriculum and instruction at Grand Canyon University. She also holds a reading specialist certificate and a teacher consultant certificate. So what I've read to you is just one of the, it's just a few paragraphs of her long bio because she has a lot of other interests in especially in healing and that's why we're taking this opportunity that she could be with us. So welcome everyone. And here's Leslie. Leslie, we have, uh, you have shared to me that the topic that you're going to share is about emotions and the health. So what about emotions and health? Go ahead, Leslie, take it away. Okay, it's been shown that People that are very, there are two kinds of emotions. We have positive and we have negative emotions. And when you're uh, positive, all things are great. Everything looks good. The world is wonderful and you can pretty much do everything you want. And then when you have your negative emotions, you're very, very sad and you're very angry and things really bother you a lot. Well, it has been shown that the healing happens within your mind when you constantly have positive emotions and positive experiences, um, walking in a park, listening to your favorite song, and it brings out all the good things 
that you need to know. Where negative doesn't help in the healing and it just brings everyone down. And what's found in any adolescent and um, adult who has uh, dementia or any kind of cognitive abilities, they need to develop a calm, positive atmosphere in order to heal. And that can be so many different ways um, that we could do it. And one of it uh, would be through your writing and journaling. And as people journal uh, their different ideas, they release all their emotions that might be negative and turn them into a positive. If they're negative, maybe the emo what they write will make them cry. And as they bring those emotions out, um, they'll be able to heal themselves. So a lot of my patients do journaling every day. We say about 30 to 40 minutes tops journaling every day. And as they journal, they find that, you know, they feel a lot better. Um, sometimes they're not able to write. So even if they can be able to write something, um, a list of something, or as long as they start writing, they get, they're able to move forward with everything. Um, another thing that people like to do is they like to listen to music. And music is also very important for their healing because as they listen to music, again, their nerves are calm. And many experts have said that the calming um, of the brain will help with the healing. So I've seen a lot of that in my patients. So. Oh, when you mentioned music, I remember in one of the entertainment activity at the adult medical center. Mm -hmm. One client, he was a world-renowned psychiatrist, when that certain music, I remember, I forgot what music, but I know it's one of the oldest music, and then she, he heard that, and then I even asked her, him to, I said, will you dance with me? And just imagine that he is a, um, he is someone who is almost wheelchair bound. And so, but with me, I've become very creative in, 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 in inviting them. If they can be in a wheelchair, they can be in a walker. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is he just started crying, crying. So, I know that not with that, and I, I, I've seen also, yeah, some music kind of brings back sad memories. And then, but a lot of them brings back happiness. Although when I asked him why, why was he crying, he said he wasn't really crying because he's sad. He just kind of remembers those memories, okay? Yeah, so that's what I do. You know, and so music is really very important to people that do have cognitive delays. And also, it's only the music and it's also the movement that also helps. Um, and if they're able to dance, a lot of the people I noticed, um, I ha unfortunately, I was ill at one point, and someone getting up there and dancing with you or showing you a dance step will also is healing. Maybe if you do a salsa dancing, as long as there's music and dance, and you find that helps with people that have cognitive delays, if they're interested 
in movement and if they're interested in dance, if that was one of their abilities when they were doing well. So they find that some of them are good, better at writing. Some of them might be good at singing. Um, so any of that will help with the healing process. And the most important thing is that people are happy because once people are happy, then they're able to heal and they have happy moments and they're positive. And another thing is prayer is very important. Um, every day waking up and, and praying to a divine spirit that is greater than us. And as, if you pray and then even write your prayers down and you do that in the morning, I'm getting better every day in every way, and you do that at night, you also can deal a lot with the healing. So it really depends on where you came from prior to dementia or where you were prior to a stroke, um, which you tap in those abilities so that you can move forward. That's what, that's what I found. Okay. And when you mentioned also about um, having the negative and positive emotions, mm -hmm. um, we do, we, all of us have that, right? All of us experience sure. that. Mm -hmm. Now, is, and, and sometimes it's unavoidable, like if especially if that, when they have their cognitive issues, right? And they would just maybe lash out or they, they, they become like, you know, suspicious of certain thing, and especially when they start repeating themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, um, do we have to, in your studies, is it, is it useful to ask them to stop feeling that way? Or how would we handle when, or, or, or can we expect that they, must be able to express something like that, but not in a way that will be sustainable for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, I think that when they have that occurrence, uh, maybe if they have a feeling that they're possibly paranoid or somebody is, co you know, there are different scenarios that happen. I guess to say it doesn't exist would be a problem, but I think they need to get it out, what they're thinking and what they're feeling and, and write it down and talk to them about it. Is this really happening? But they also have to, they have to feel it anyway. And then you have to put in a little dose of reality. But I know in this uh, dementia, it's a very tough situation because they might feel they're in another place. They might be thinking they're talking to a lot of different people that aren't there. So you, kind, you have to listen again. You have to listen to their stories. You have mm -hmm. to hear what they're saying and then have some type of a conversation with them. Okay. Now, in the movement, what does it actually do when, you know, does it have any effect on the neurons or on the biochemistry? Of, of the hormones? Well, the movement just puts uh, the brain in, um, I guess it aligns the brain to function and okay. puts uh, some type of balance in the brain. If you notice, that's why even everyone, you know, most people say exercise is good for you or walking is good for you or swimming is good for you. It's because it aligns and it, it 
presents a balance within the body. Yeah. Well, what's in, in your practice, what's the worst thing that you have seen in terms of like uh, ex, um, moments when the people cannot adapt to situations? Um, it's very sad because I, a lot of it, they were either they're fearful or they're negative or they've never done this before. And I find that's very hard because you try to put a positive spin in and, and they have a hard time with it. So that's when you have to sit back and say, okay, let me look at your reality. Your reality might not be my reality. And you can't fight with them because you can't have any confrontation with them. So it's, you have to just kind of work with what they have and what they have to offer. So that's, that's also the same thing as when not just for people who have dementia, but also, you know, now we're talking about to listeners who might, who will be caring for dementia uh, loved ones. That's also the same with them, right? Yes. You know, like someone who has experience of taking care of their loved ones with dementia might be talking to someone who's, who had never experienced such. So, you know, it's really a thin line when we're hearing someone's story. It, it's good to really pay attention, focus Absolutely. on Absolutely. Because that's how, if especially we, if, if we want to be like a good sounding board for friends and loved ones. Correct. And they need to, there's so much in there, they need to communicate. And that's a big thing. They need to communicate how they feel, how they think. Uh, they're not going to always feel, communicate how they feel, but they're going to communicate um, what they're doing or how they should be doing it. They do communicate, though. And it will be something you'll find out in there. Um, if they're not aware of something, you will find something that they will be aware of that will be reality. And you can really build on that one. So in the journaling, you're encouraged to journal not uh, everything, if possible, right? All, all types of emotions, not just the ones that they're happy about or they're angry about. Um, everything. So that, that's kind of one, one outlet. And you said the movement is another outlet for that emotion. Uh, tell us again what happens when all these emotions are not expressed. When they're not expressed, they bottle up and they cause mental illness, they cause physical illness. Um, you need to get out the emotions. You need to experience the emotions, no matter, you know, because it's not healthy one way or the other. Good and bad have to be um, exposed. You know, it makes people a little vulnerable and it depends who they're with and where they are. Um, if you notice in some families, they'll just lash out at, um, a close family member. Um, it was a situation where somebody will just lash out because they're not getting their wheelchair on time. They're not getting their dinner on time. These are all things that are going to lash out to people that they care about. So I guess you have to experience all their emotions and they have to feel everything. But it has to be safe too. They, they can't hurt themselves. They can't hurt their loved ones as well. But they need to get all of that out if they can. So that's important. Can you think of other things that they can, um, then, you know, what people can do in terms of like expressing their emotions in a way that 
will be beneficial to them or helpful to their situations in terms of stress? Uh, like, what could, what, can you like picture what might someone do daily so that they can manage or just handle emotions in whatever way? Well, um, everyone, as Gardner said, Howard Gardner, he used to uh, speak about the multiple intelligences, that each individual has a certain intelligence, um, linguistic and spatial and mathematical. Um, and he had mentioned seven, of, seven intelligences. And you have to know what they were good at, an artistic intelligence. So perhaps they can do, if they were an artist before, maybe they could paint a picture. Or if they were a musician, maybe they could sing a song. If they were, um, if they had good physical um, prowess, then they could just exercise or do a lot of kinesthetic, I guess would be a lot of movement. So it all depends on what they were good prior to the occurrence of when, of this, when it happened. And then they can work on it on a daily basis, maybe an hour a day, an hour and a half a day. And they can do that every day if they feel comfortable in doing that. Okay. And will that also, um, all, all of this does, does any of the, are there any precautions that they have to uh, consider both for themselves and their loved ones? Uh, I don't know if this could be done. I'm not quite sure of that question. Could you repeat that? Because I'm not quite sure of that. So I know we, we encourage them to write, to do some movement, and, um, you know, like, uh, what did we say? The write, movement. Are in the, in the writing and the movement, are there anything that we have, they have to be careful in, you know, in initiating it or encouraging to their loved ones who are, or who are experiencing dementia or even to themselves? Well, they might not wanna share it with their loved ones. That we found out too. They might just wanna work with somebody in the facility per se. Um, they, loved ones might wanna be the, almost the audience. Okay. Not quite, but sometimes they might wanna just share it with the people that um, care for them other than their caregivers. Um, but then the caregivers can work with them to encourage them. But the, the caregivers have to be careful that they're not putting them under a lot of pressure because then it becomes very goal-oriented and a lot of pressure. And then that wouldn't be good because then they would rebel against that. So they need to um, make sure that they're doing it in a calm way. Again, they have to be calm. If you see any kind of an agitation that happens, that means it's too much for them and they, they can't handle it at that point. The idea is to keep a calm mental state. And so many writings have shown that the calmer people are, the greater that they can heal. And that reminds me of the same advice is true for those who are not diagnosed with dementia. Yes, it is. Are those recovering from stroke also the important thing or any kind of an illness, any kind of mental illness is being calm. And um, I think 
and the power and prayer. The reason prayer goes in with the whole picture because when people are praying and they're praying to the divine, they're also creating a calm state, which helps with the healing. What has been your experience, you know, in your work that relates to cognitive um, ab di learning abilities or disabilities? Well, you know, during this, I yeah during this pandemic. You oh, know. during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Um, working with which is wonderful. I'm working with a lot of you know a lot of I guess adolescents and some college kids that. Adults, they have cognitive abilities. And what I'm finding, which is very interesting, there's a part of them that's visual and looks at things visually. And there's a little boy who really can't speak. And what he loves is he loves looking at himself on these Zoom meetings. And he was very, very shy and he didn't say anything. And then all of a sudden he's making faces and he looks in the mirror. So this is also excellent. For kids that are, you know, auditory, uh, anybody, because they are looking at themselves and they're saying, wow, I'm really, I'm a movie star. I, you know, they think it's fun to look at themselves. So this pandemic has helped a lot of the uh, people who have had these issues. Um, it's getting rid of the shyness. A lot of people feel that it's easier to talk into a video than it is being in a room full of people. So I think it's gonna help a lot of people that have cognitive delays, I think so. Because I've seen it already with this one little boy, he was having a great time, great time. And is there any worst event that you have experienced in this work? In, in the pandemic or always? Um, in general, that you know? I think it's the frustration level when people can't do what they're, the, the caregivers think they could do it. The patient thinks he can't do it and there's a conflict and then the patient gets stressed out and, they, and the patient gets angry and then the patient fights with the caregivers. It's very, very difficult. So that's why I think that, again, they have, to, that's a hard size. You wanna not create any kind of violence and safe. You want to be safe. The main thing is to make sure the caregiver is safe and the client is safe. That's the main thing. And the patient. I, I remember your stories about your mom because you took, you know, you took care of your mom for many yeah. years. Yes. So can you share about that and especially your challenges and then how you manage those challenges and how you kept going and Look at you now, even when your mom is gone and you continue to do work with other people. Well, I was very lucky. I guess I was very blessed because uh, my story was I was in this study working for 12 or 15 hours on a, on a um, doctor, working and working in the study. And I was studying everything for aphasia, and everything for strokes. I knew how to rehab because I had been even studying it more because I've been doing it all my life. So what happened was I, she was in the hospital and the doctors came out and they said, whoa, she has a stroke. So I pulled it together. I said, I can't believe this. 
I've been studying for two and a half years, and now my mother, of all people, has a stroke. And it was very, very hard. But I just said, okay, you're going to have to do the rehab. You're going to have to do it for her, and you're going to have to do it. So then what happened was she knew of my education, and she, as she was recovering from her stroke, um, she was a very artsy kind of a person. So little by little, I was doing all the therapy with her in the hospital, the speech therapy for the um, for different artwork, and she was so she was so proud. I mean, it was really hard. She was walking in the in the hospital, and I remember her sticking out her thumb, and she said, "Oh, my daughter." She was like very proud of me because she knew she had the stroke, but she knew I knew what I was doing to help her, and I was really happy in the year and a half that she was able to heal. And she was starting to go back and making all the things that she made before. And she was speech. I would even have speech therapy with her and I would talk to her and I would tell her to write and she would get so mad, but I didn't care because I knew this was gonna help her. And she was very lucky. We, I had her a year and a half later. And then she, unfortunately she had another stroke and whatever happened, that one didn't work, you know, didn't uh, help her. I mean, she didn't make it, but I learned from her, I guess, not to be pushy with them either, because, you know, when you heal, you get, you got to be happy. You can't be pushy and uh, your body can heal by itself. You just have to be patient and calm, you know? So I'm very grateful that I was able to help her uh, through all my studies. I miss her very much today. I wish I could have saved her from the last one, but you know, what can you do? Mm -hmm. But I'm still here to help other people. And I think that people can be cured and they can have a good life if they have people to work with them and help them be who they always were. But the most important thing is that you can't take away who people were and who people are. You have to accept them or that you have to find their strengths and work with them, not what you want from them, what they want for themselves. That's the hard part. A caretaker can't be, oh, well, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. You have to kind of go with the patient, what they feel that they want to do. And while you were taking almost full-time care for her, correct? Mm -hmm. Right. What were you doing for yourself to I sustain was that? Well, I was exhausted, tell you the truth. Um, I would go to the gym a lot, I exercised, but then I would find if there was an emergency, I would be halfway on my treadmill and then I would, would come back. Um, but I would find walking is good. Again, music's good, prayer is good. It was really hard because you, there was a big question mark because you never knew when she was gonna get better. But you had to just take care of yourself and walking and talking to Grace, <laughs> but um, you just have to keep yourself busy, you know, and uh, so you can, again, you could be balanced, so you can deal with it. Were you using other um, holistic ways other than what you mentioned, you know, the prayer, the music, and the walking, were you, because I know you're, you were doing some jewelry with her. Yes, you know, I was. Yes, I was doing jewelry. She was doing a lot of paper mache. Yes, not jewelry as much, but I think a lot of paper mache 
painted uh, rocks. She right. Was rocks, you know, yeah. so we're doing a lot of that together. Yes. And I was also, yes, I also have a little business. So what happened was she was helping me in the business. And even as she was recovering, she was also helping me with the business. So it, it gave her a purpose for really being here. And for me, I kept on doing my boutique and I, you know, and my work and my exercise. And I don't know if that's the answer really you wanted the question, but you know, we worked together and it kind of gave her a purpose. She knew that somebody was there that was going to help her through this journey, which was really good. It was good for me as well, because I have nothing to look back on that I didn't do, you know. Did you take like, um, did you take some vitamins oh, or yes. eat well? Yes. Uh, okay. Sleep. Yeah, I took vitamins. I've been a vegetarian for many, many years. So um, I've been a vegetarian for over 30 years and I took vitamins really and a lot of yoga too. Okay. A lot of yoga was very good during that time too. Um, because your body gets very, very tired during that time. And physical, maybe the hard physical exercise might be difficult, like lifting weights or running, but you find that a, a gentle exercise like a yoga might work really well. Um, something that it's very calming. And the vitamins are important. And drinking water, eight, you know, eight ounces of water a day, it's really important. I see you're doing some gardening lately. Yes. How is that to to emotions and our health? Gardening helped me. Um, it was something that, as you said, during the pandemic, I had to do something. I knew I couldn't be around people because I knew that too many, you know, you had to wear your mask. And it wasn't at that point, I just didn't want to wear, you know, I didn't want to be crowded around people. I didn't want the mask. So I decided to garden. This was not one of my hobbies. I've never gardened before in my life, but I figured that it would be a fun thing to do because it would be good for the healing. And, and I remember that, and it was good. And I have this great garden. And then I started thinking about my parents a lot. My mother was not a gardener, but my father was. So it was, it was really good. It was really great with the healing. I was in the nature. Um, I started meeting a few people here and there. How are the cucumbers? How are the uh, zucchinis doing? It was very, very, very relaxing. Getting in the earth, looking at the green. Um, it was life. And that was really, really important because... You know, pandemic, like it affected me like 9-11. Everything is dying around you. People are dying around you. Well, you, you need some kind of life. So you go into the garden and you look in the garden and you look at greenery and it just, or being near the water, either one. Okay. I find the water is good, but the garden helped me a lot. You so everyone should get a garden. And I heard the business went up, the gardeners, during Aww. this pandemic. So that and is it a community garden? Are yes, you... a community oh, yeah. garden at a university. It's great. Oh, so so that is that should be an a, a motivation for those, even if they don't have a, their own land, or you know, they can do community garden. Sometimes I believe in a community garden. It could be part of the township or a a small borough, but yours is part of the 
of the university? Right, right. Okay. But I know that there are some available as part of community and boroughs. Yeah, they do have it. Right, yeah. Uh -huh. That's really very nice. I know um, community gardens are more popular now than before, than 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And even churches, I think, create some gardens now. Oh, they do. I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, so I know in school, but us growing up in the Philippines, um, I remember in school, we, we have to have our own plot. Uh -huh. and we have our own whatever we grow. So each student has their own plot. And this was, there's, there's no such thing as an eco green revolution movement. It was just part of our curriculum that we should have our own garden. And oh, that's nice. we're graded, we're graded. The same thing as we, since I, it was a public school, the same thing as the, the ability or the habit of cleaning. So each of us, we will be is assigned um whether we have to it's our it's day to to clean the toilet uh. <laughs> or, or or the floor the floor you know so it, those are like um activities for daily living that we can apply at home but we're encouraged to do it in school so then we're graded for that well, that's very good because those are life skills. And then so that's important to know. Yeah, people need to know that. They need to know how to clean a house and how to clean the floor and how to clean the bathroom. Yeah. That's good. That's good they have that. And, and I find that even now, for me, that's also sort of um, part of releasing your tension. You know, when, uh, I mean, not the whole day cleaning because that be that could be too tiring and cumbersome and it could make you depressed if you clean every single day. But a little bit of cleaning, it distracts me from all other stress, um, you know, with maybe with relationships or something that didn't come my way. But I think when I clean, I'm happy because that's kind of like my own world of con control, <laughs> you know. Yeah, cleaning's great. My mother, always, my mother was a big fan of cleaning. We had to get up on Sunday morning or whenever we had to clean. Okay, everyone. So after all, we were, we were big at cleaning. Cleaning's good, it also is a healing, but again, you look at it and it's a, a physical activity as well. It's yeah. moving your body, so, and your mind gets straightened out too, so it does, that's a great idea. And it's, oh, I'm happy you mentioned about your mom and that family cleaning, because I, I, I heard that, before many uh, there on Sundays, there's usually family eating together, right? Okay, people usually don't go out to eat. So cleaning also, oh, that's neat. That's I like that. Oh, we each had a job to do. Okay. We each had a job. The bathroom tubs, you know, and my, um, I think, yeah, scrubbing the tile in the bathroom was a hard job to do. So that may that. That could also be possible for um, the working men and women caring for their loved ones with dementia. And if they have their children, they can, you know, create some, some type of routine like that, perhaps once okay. a week. Absolutely. You know, a friend of mine does that with his kids. They give them all chores to do and they have to do them, have a list of them, you know, and it also, it gives them a purpose to do. And even, 
I'm just thinking, but even the people that might have dementia, maybe they could do a little bit of little cleaning, maybe mm -hmm. clean a table, which is yes. great that yes. you're mentioning it. Maybe they could clean the table off, you know, do something like that. Yes, they, they do. And in my experience and observation, they're even happy if you ask them to do a little something. Um, although you, you, of course, needs to supervise them that they're not they won't hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you need to supervise them. And I remember at the dementia center before, um, there's this lady and the, her work used to be cleaning. So she can't really help herself, but every time she sees the, any equipment used for cleaning at the center, she would like, she gets restless if we don't allow her to do a little cleaning sound. Oh, good, good. So we encourage it, you know, not to the point that we let her work too hard, but mm -hmm. she's just happy to wipe my table, wipe my desk. And uh, so it, it's good. a whole thing. Yeah, to, that's why having a place for them uh, other than the home. Because remember you mentioned earlier that it, Sometimes they do behave differently with mm -hmm. family and non-family. Sometimes family members get unlucky because their their loved ones become more mean to them than to us who are non-family. But sometimes it's the opposite also, that they are not still nice to the family, but not nice to strangers. The strangers have really have to earn that respect, that attraction of liking you after many, many moments of meeting with them. Yeah. And you, um, did, you, did you ever hear that expression that many, uh, that it's one of the best things that we can really do to, to with our loved ones and we even with ourselves is just an activity that could really make them remember how joyful it is rather than stressful right so they need to have anything where it's joyful um, even a nice dinner um, with a family could be joy it could trigger back a joyful feeling dinner with a family um, just a hug, just being around the family and a good event, anything to make them feel good, positive words. It's always positive words. It's always, you're going to get better. You're going to get better. You're going to get better. It's got it. As long as it's with positive and it's calm, but you have to be careful that it's not overwhelming to them either. So it has to be something that it's not, um, it's just calming for them. But that activity and, and singing with them, maybe looking at pictures, old pictures with them okay. of what they were when they were younger. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I remember um, we did have clients uh, who brought their albums. So I encourage that also to family members to, you know, share some pictures with us, with the staff, and then so we could share it with with you know with the other people who are now their new friends mm -hmm. and um so just about there's just 
many creative ways that you know we can help mm -hmm. each and everyone right even mm -hmm. ourselves we we just have to continue to re keep remembering that there are solutions there are ways that we could do that okay so we and don't we have right and we have to enjoy our life and make sure that we have fun along the way that's okay. the main thing so always find joy in in even the most stressful situation yeah that, that's the key because eventually that stressful situation will eh, go away yeah and that and this is the reason why we created this podcast because we really want to challenge you know listeners and viewers to intentionally co-create the successful outcomes of their journeys you know and this podcast really wants to bring together people who are able to share these ideas, who have the experiences. At the same time, you know, we could all support each other in some way or form. Okay. Yeah. Good. Thank now, you. Now, in, um, is there anything that keeps you up at night? Uh, thinking about all the things that I have to, that I have to do. That's the only thing. Or ideas come to me in the middle of the night, like one in the morning or two in the morning. So oh. that's when I'm up. I just have to shut down the brain at a certain time. <laughs> oh, I think that sounds so familiar. I, think. I don't know why one o'clock in the morning the idea comes, comes yeah. together. <laughs> and usually it's bright ideas too, right? Yes, and then you get think about it and before you know it, it's two o'clock. <laughs> okay. And what, what, and what would be the most uh, frustrating moment that you had or you, that you just feel like it's, it's such a failure? When I can't control it. After, you know, I can't control everything. And uh, people's attitude, I can't control negative, negativity, people's attitudes. And sometimes I can't fix everything. And that, that kind of upsets me that I can't fix every single thing, you know? to make it better sometimes you know it happens that people are not in the mindset that want it to be better and since you've been doing this for a long time well, can you remember any transformative aha moment that you've had that really transform your whole thinking and your whole life mm. well that was when i was in the hospital for four months and i had gotten ill and i had to start all over again um, that was when SARS came out and I had to start right back on the bottom and get myself out in the world again. And uh, I did that through a lot of prayer and a lot of writing and a lot of positive energy. And I know that it's a hard place to be in for people that are not well, but it's a struggle, but you just can't give up. You know, that's the thing. And also you have to be gentle on yourself. I mean, challenges are very hard but you also have to understand that you know you got it's going to be what it's going to be after a while and there's nothing that you could do but i know that made me realize the value of life um when you think your everyday occurrence might not happen and you might not get out of the hospital and you know what that's where you realize that life is really really important and you need to do what you have to do to survive and help people and that's why I'm, I'm here to help people because i know that you can move forward you just have to not give up 
What would Leslie do in the next five years? Oh, do more of the same, but I really do more of the same of what I'm doing. I think now I want to get to a larger audience. Um, a lot of people don't know of, you know, some people know of me, but I really want to get well known so I can help more people. Um, basically do the same thing I'm doing now, but just help more people. That's what I want to do. Okay. And then maybe take a vacation for myself along the way somewhere. Somewhere near the water. Near the water, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, you have any superpower secrets? Superpower secrets? No, you I don't think you may so. want to share? I don't think I have any superpower secrets. I'm not a superpower, you know? I believe in the superpower, but I'm not a superpower. I believe in God and I believe in prayer and I believe in the divine, the divine around us. I'm a big believer in that because I think everything we're here because of, of God and the man upstairs, you know? What, 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 what makes you want to wake up in the morning? What makes me want to get up in the morning? Yeah. Just a, having a purpose for my life, you know, knowing that, well, maybe I'm going to either help myself heal today or help someone else. Cause I do this all day long. What can I, you know, when I can help a, a kid play basketball who couldn't speak before that makes me happy, you know? Um, but I just enjoy my job and I just enjoy life for the most part. So it kind of motivates me because I want to get through another day. On the flip side, what is it that gives you a deepest pain? Uh, Wow, that's a tough one. Um, I mentioned before, it's that hurt that you feel way back that you can't go, that's so deep that there's, there's no way to get out of it because you know how deep people feel and that the pain that people feel is levels and levels and levels what they feel. And when you go down there so deep and then it hurts, it really hurts because you know when you feel people suffering and and it's really hard to get yourself out of that. That I think is the hardest challenge in dealing with people who are ill and people who are sick. And also yourself, you know, everybody has that level where it's really, really hard and it's hard to get out of that, you know? And that's what I think is the most difficult. Okay, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's just like sometimes there are no words to, to say because it's so deep. Is there a path to healing? A uh, path to healing is just... When it's that deep? When it's that deep? Mm-hmm. Well, when it's that deep, the I think nature is a healing piece when it's that deep. I think water is, that, is healing. I think the uh, nature walks are good. I think nature, when it's that deep, nature helps. Okay. And that's when I guess the divine comes in. Yeah, that's very true. I still remember my moments when I really felt like I'm such in a deep rut <laughs> that I can't, it seems like it's so deep, it's a deep well. And you know, in the Philippines, I still grew up with well for, <laughs> for taking a bath and for drinking. So if, I feel like if you're so deep, how can I go up? I want to go out of the, out of the well. 
yeah so but then you do you do really you you get the courage and you get the creativity and yes that's when prayer you know almost all my guests always talk about how important it is to have that spirituality and that creativity and that's just to express oneself and that becomes a part path of healing yes absolutely yeah. and then your emotions are in, in uh tact. okay yeah in emotions and emotions uh back to the emotions mm -hmm. does our emotions reveal what what may you know what other underlying things that we may be holding on especially if it's like emotions that are holding us back yeah the emotions that hold us back are the typical it's too hard i can't this is not going to work um it's not going to happen i think a lot of not 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 is okay. using that word i think that's the emotions that's going to hold us back a lot and also what you think you should be rather than who you really are so for our our listener and viewer um especially those who may be caring for loved ones with dementia or any cognitive disabilities mm -hmm. what would what would be your best or you know advised um for them or for the um let's start with them because you know they really need the best help and you know to just to take care of loved ones and that's true to even those who don't have just, just people who feel like they're so stressed out i think they need to learn that taking care of yourself is okay um and that you're not neglecting your loved ones you have to be concerned with your emotional health because if you can't be concerned with your emotional health you can't help anyone so it's not selfish and i think that's a big thing i had to learn it's not selfish if you go and you decide that you need to have an hour and you got to put an hour and a half a day when you're a caretaker at least to take care of yourself and you have to learn it's not selfish if you go for that walk for an hour and a half or if you go um paint a picture or if you go and write you that's why writing is important you a caregiver must do those things you got to eat right um you have to make sure you eat three meals a day you got to sleep all the basic things that you have to you would tell your own child to do because you have to take care of you. And that's what I think caregivers don't take care of themselves because there's a lot of their, usually the emergency people, you know, that every time there's a problem, they call and they have to run, but you have to learn to take care of yourself. And that's what I think is important for caregivers. You must take care of yourself because in the end, you could have all kinds of issues because you're not taking care of yourself and then you won't be able to take care of the loved one. I mean, there are cases where the loved ones are better off than the caregivers. Okay, that's true. So when you were sick for four months, do you think that you were, you, um, before that, you were not taking very good care of yourself? No, what happened was because I was taking care of myself and I had the vitamins, I survived. 
it was a one in, one in 10 chances that I would survive. Okay. But because I was taking the vitamins and because I was doing the nutrition and because I was doing the exercise, I made it. Okay. Um, if it was one of these fluky things that happened with SARS, I mean, I ran 106 fever. I was out, it was in the hospital for two months. I was very, very ill. But if I hadn't taken the, um, if I hadn't taken the vitamins, I hadn't exercised, I don't know. I don't, wouldn't be here to tell the story. Okay. And uh, I'm here to tell my story. And it's, uh, you got to take care of yourself. That's it. Okay. So that's also important for us to remember, especially, you know, we're at that uh, age risk for any kind of pandemic thing, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. If when here we are, you know, able to do our recording and because we've been taking care of ourselves. So we hope that our listeners do the same. So they can always do their follow up their dreams, if not now, maybe later. Yeah. Yeah. If where where can where can they find your information if they have to reach you or they need to speak with you or just have a conversation with you will you be open to that yeah sure absolutely they can give me a call they can uh, email me i have my email address or my phone number they can reach me um if you want me to give it to you now or i can uh, post it you could post it yes please email me yeah because mm -hmm. in the description i will put your um i can post it so um the email, right? Sure. You can email me if you have a question. We could set up time for a consultation. I'll be okay. Really be happy to help you. Yeah. Which email do I give? Um, there's set the pace okay. USA two okay. at um, Gmail is fine. Okay. All right. The, yeah. Yeah. So I'll make sure of that. And this is this is really good, Leslie. And I hope. You had an enjoyable time having a conversation with me that we could share to other people. Yes, it was great. And I hope we can help people. That's yeah. the key. Yes, yes. Because that adds more meaning and purpose in our lives. Uh, that, that's what keeps me up. I mean, yeah, keeps me up because I want to do my best. And that's also what keeps me want to wake up in the morning happy so that okay if i can be energetic and you know they said sometimes you feel a little lousy and then you sort of force yourself to be energetic and happy so that that happiness can also share to others and that's why i said with this community we want to experience optimum health peace and happiness that manifests love, gratitude, respect, and empowerment in our daily lives. And at, before we end the episode, this podcast, I've been encouraging the listeners to do what I call a quantum affirmation. And it's a collection. I have a collection of quantum affirmation cards. They're positive affirmations. And every day, I shuffle them in the morning after you wash up, clean yourself. I pick one and with the intention that that one card that I will pick will be what is like a good reminder for me or a guide for me 
for that day. And I say this three times. I talk to myself in the mirror. And if I'm at work, I do this again in the bathroom at, in, at noon time. And of course, in the evening before bedtimes. I say three times. And because that kind of puts into my whole being, my, my cells and will remember it. And when I say it verbally, it, it also makes a difference. I think you have experiences when you, when you write it, it's one thing, but when you say it, you hear yourself and then you read it. So I'm going to read that. Today, the title of the affirmation is Experience New Horizons Every Day. I take time to learn new things every day. I read and experience new ideas, both to recharge my batteries and to provide maximum help to my clients and loved ones. I take time to learn new things every day. I read and experience new ideas, both to recharge my batteries and to provide maximum help to my clients and loved ones. I take time to learn new things every day I read and experience new ideas, both to recharge my batteries and to provide maximum help to my clients. See, isn't that a perfect affirmation? Because, yes. you know, you shared a lot of ideas for people to learn and they can start looking for maybe their own mentors or Google it. And if they are having a difficulty um, learning those things, putting them into practice, it's a good thing to, you know, search for, for a coach or a mentor or a buddy that they can join together for this journey. So I, I'd like to thank you again, Leslie. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Everything that you do. And I'd like to thank our listeners and viewers. And in my language, we say it, Mabalos, that's thank you. And a reminder, don't let anything or anyone take the joy out of your life. Thank you. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you. Marvelous. Bye. Thank you.